This is podcast, wait, this is GL podcast, number 122-322-19, Got it. 76 degrees on this day in downtown Garage Logic in 1938 and eight below in 1965. That's two days in a row now for the record low being in, in 1965, which was the uh, tremendous year of flooding. And now... From the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Reavers, you missed it yesterday, but we uh, played audio from a fellow down in Greensboro, North Carolina, named Mark Robinson. And uh, we've saved it. It'll come up again on the show. I don't know when, but he's he's wonderful. It turns out the chief off-site correspondent, Kelsey, uh, makes note of the uh, fact that Mark Robinson has his own Twitter uh, page. Or, is that what you'd say, a Twitter account or a Twitter page or yes. whatever? And he has pithy remarks. It's very good. If you want to do it, you just go, uh, you do that HTTPS thing. Or just the at symbol. Wah, wah, wah. Twitter.com, Mark Robinson, NC question mark, L-A-N-G equals E-N. I don't know what the hell The end. <laughs> yes, the end. Well, here. What's his at? What's his at here? Why don't you, why don't you hand that to me? I'll, 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 I'll give him more. Here we go. A uh, new Greg Holcomb cartoon today, brilliant as usual. We're the only illustrated podcast in the United States of North America. That's at garagelogic.com. You click on the Features drop-down button, and you can find Joe's Author's Corner. Pedro Luca is featured. He's in his hammock. He's reading fan mail. I'm going there right and now. he gets a fan letter from Alexandria Occasional Cortex. And uh, it's, it's, he's typically brilliant. He's the artist in residence in Garage Logic, Greg Holcomb. So check that out today. One more uh, note on the... Uh, on the protocol uh, for pilots to report problems or mechanics, Rook? Yep. Uh, and I believe Robert is a pilot. He writes, this is how it works. The pilots write up any aircraft malfunction in the aircraft logbook. The aircraft is turned over to maintenance. Maintenance fixes the issue or defers the malfunctioning equipment for repair at another time. The new crew reviews the logbook for aircraft maintenance issues. Any open logbook items need to be corrected or deferred and signed off before the aircraft is released. The old crew may or may not talk to the oncoming crew. That's going to be the last word on that. Got it. Now, yesterday, uh, are you, uh, pay attention, Reavers. I'm trying, right. I'm trying to do a show here. He I, I, while Mark he's looking, Robinson, at I Mark learned, Robinson with a K. Say that again because I interrupted you. He is at Mark Robinson with a K. Okay. Much easier for you. Uh, I watching uh, a news show this morning. I did learn that those sensors for those aircraft you have to pay extra for. I, I that really Boeing is now coming off poorly in my eyes. That that's like going to buy a car and they'll say, "You want brakes? That's five hundred bucks more." Yeah, I don't. I you don't, don't put safety equipment as an option, right? For those two side <laughs> items to talk Almighty. to each other, they're saying that's an a la carte. That's uh, not. That's a that's a 
I want my plane to stop. Right. right. Hey, for another 50 bucks, we'll throw in that third brake light. Sure. Ah, we don't need it. I don't need it. I can't avoid it. But who's the guy that says, nah, we're good? Right. we got budgets this Yesterday, year. Yesterday, we had private citizen Mark Robinson. Today, we have a private citizen who addresses the Seattle City Council. Uh, I want to get his name for you. Uh, just a minute. Boy, I wish uh, I wish this... Uh, uh, a printer would have done me more of a favor. Can you find this fellow's name, please, Rook? Yes. Uh, it's a story I printed off. Uh, he's a citizen of Seattle who wished to address the city council uh, on what he believes to be the decline of our democracy. It's a real pushback from this guy. I feel terrible now that I, well, they, they, when they, I printed it, I assumed I could read his name. Can you go to the uh, I'm, I'm story, it. please, give me, Chris? Give me, give me 10 seconds. On the computer. So that I have his name, uh, and I apologize. I thought for it sure starts, it starts out with a man, but they name every one of the uh, council members, uh, but they don't name this guy's. Give it back to me. Give me the give me the story. Back. Okay, just let me give one more you're, shot. This here. is audio that's going to blow your socks off, just like Mark Robinson. In your defense, but for completely opposite reasons. Give it back to me, Rook. In your defense, it's not on there. It isn't on the. It's the the Blaze Report story that I'm reading right now. It does not name this particular uh, man that addresses the Seattle City Council. Uh, go, uh, go to the Google Rook on the big screen. Don't watch my finger. Uh, citizen addresses Seattle City Council. Uh, maybe there's a another. And I'm now on source. the Seattle News website that yep. also has a link to this story, yep. and they just simply call him Seattle Voter delivers devastating takedown of Seattle Council's disinterest in listening Maybe to him. Maybe he doesn't want to be identified. That's, that would be my guess. Well, but uh, I believe if you look at the protocol in uh, Greensboro, uh, before Mark Robinson could speak, he needed to identify himself. So you would have said, you can stop, uh, you can stop looking. Uh, the point is, here is a citizen of Seattle addressing, are you ready, uh, Chris? Here is a citizen of Seattle addressing the His Seattle. name is Richard Schwartz. There we go. Richard, Richard Schwartz. Schwartz. Okay, just a minute then. Let me set it up a little better than that. Okay, bro. He took the microphone for the public comment period last week at, at Seattle City Council meeting, and he was uh, disappointed that no one appeared to be paying any attention to him. His name is Richard Schwartz. Take it away, Reverse. Next is Richard Schwartz. <laughs> Good afternoon. Afternoon. Um, before you start the clock, could you stop it for a second? I, it's real discouraging to come up here and see all the heads down. It's, it's like, you know, Sir, you, you're on a two-minute timer here, so let's go. In other words, no one's paying attention to you. And they aren't. They're all looking at their phones. Right. I'm not, I don't follow you. You're on a two-minute timer. Could you start it over, please? No, we're not going to. Just go ahead. So it was unreasonable for you to ask that people look up and give me their attention? Sir, you have two minutes. We're all looking at you. You have two minutes. Now you have a minute and 30 seconds. Okay, well, I guess I won't be able to say it. Um, last week, you limited, uh, this kind of goes to the heart of what I was going to talk about, which was the state of our democracy. Last week, you limited speakers because of the number of speakers to one minute each, but you allowed... Uh, Amila Jayapal to speak as long as she wanted to. It was four or five minutes. And it reminded me of uh, George Orwell's 
famous saying from Animal Farm about how all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others.、Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I feel like I'm being treated now, just because I was kind of asking for your attention. Like I noticed you all were very attentive to Miss Jayapal the other last week, and I just wanted to ask for your attention before I started. And I immediately got a hostile response back from you. I don't understand that. So you don't ever respond to citizens, or what? I do, sir. But you have two minutes for public comment to the agenda items. God. Well, it's all on tape, and I think it's a it's a pretty sad commentary. That you think that asking for you guys to look up off of your computers and give attention during a short period of time was an unreasonable thing. I really feel bad about that. Thank you. That. Deserves this. The recipient of the groin kick is Councilmember Deborah Juarez, who was the who was the most uncharitable sounding person I, I can imagine. And、uh, this guy was uh, timid, uh, and I felt for him because he he was he's no he's no Mark Robinson. Let's put it that way. He's he was very timid, but、uh, I like his delivery. Yeah, no, but my point is.、Uh, He didn't ask for anything unreasonable. He、no. said, "Will you people please pay attention?" And and council member kindly. Council member Mike O'Brien looked up from his phone, noting that council members Kashma Sawant and Lorena Gonzalez swiped and typed on their phones.、Uh, he asked Juarez if his time could be restarted. She said no.、Uh, he had a prepared statement noting that he had planned on discussing the state of our democracy, and a loud sigh was heard, as though the council members. We don't know who was sighing,、mm-hmm. but the council members were uh, 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 dismissive of this fellow.、Uh, a constituent. Was re- he was referring to、uh, Democratic U.S. Representative Pramila Jayapal of Seattle, who apparently could talk as long as she wanted last week, and he was noting that, "Hey, you guys let Deborah or Pramila、uh, Jayapal、uh, speak longer than two minutes," and that's when he gave him the George Orwell thing.、Uh, Council members Rob Johnson and Sawant returned to their phones, and、uh, Gonzalez rested her head on her hand.、Uh, they all clearly were. Uh, uh, Council member Sawant has made headlines since her 2013 election, given her avowed socialist、uh, stance.、Uh, she was an Occupy Seattle organizer. <laughs> In addition, the author of a Seattle Times op-ed a few years back said he was pleading with Councilmember Juarez to address the city's homeless problem, and、uh, she her、uh, her response was, "What is this Nazi Germany? I don't even understand the connection there."、Uh, It's just depressing to serve in a place for many city council members who are counting, who are coming out at times with negative comments about the police. Rich O'Neill, the、uh, vice president of Seattle Police Guild, told KCPQ TV. Also last year, the city council repealed its Amazon tax. Only a month after the measure passed unanimously,、uh, I, I'm drifting away. There was more in the story. My point is,、uh, that guy tried to push back. And was treated poorly for his efforts, wasn't he? People need to understand that what they just heard. This is what, even on a lesser level, we have to deal with because, quite literally, these people that you have elected, ladies and gentlemen, they don't listen to you for the most part. And and the and the the, the real insidious problem、uh, in both Minneapolis and St. Paul, or I guess anywhere you get closest to the country's tallest buildings, 
is it's it's one party rule, mm-hmm. and that the more you have one party rule, the less accountability you have. Uh, St. Paul is uh, completely in the control of leftists. So is Minneapolis. There's no counterbalance to it. Uh, Bostrom is gone in St. Paul, and who was our great GLer in, on the city council in Minneapolis? Barb. Uh, Barb Johnson. Barb Johnson is gone, and, and and those were at least a counterweights occasionally. Now, who was the famous uh, Seattle area? Yes. City councilman, ooh, ooh, ooh. Go, go ahead. Uh, I well, I, I guess I don't remember the name, but this is where power washing came. Power from. Power washing got its start in Seattle when uh, uh, what the hell's the guy's name? Larry Gossett <laughs> uh, noticed power washing outside the King County Superior Court, and he said uh, that's a microaggression because it's uh, bringing back memories of hoses used against civil rights activists. <laughs> now, power washing existed before we discovered that from Gossett in 2017, but we didn't know what we were calling it. We didn't know what we had stumbled on. Mm -hmm. This power washing came along to give us the perfect title for what we were witnessing. Power washing is when you take something completely innocent and turn it dark, something you've never thought of before. No one, no rational human being ever looked at a guy using a power washer to clean a sidewalk no rational human being ever looked at a guy using a power washer to clean a sidewalk and thought, you know, that's identical to uh, turning hoses on civil rights activists in the 1960s. It's quite a stretch. No, no one ever thought that. No. That's power washing. You know, the school's named Lynch in Oregon yep. because the farmer, uh, a farmer named Lynch in 1890 donated the land upon which the schools were built. No, somebody complained. That's power washing. It's only about the third most popular last name in the country. Didn't we have an attorney general named Lynch? We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, Seattle uh, is a, really home uh, to these uh, crackpots on the city council. But listen and the- rude crack. Remember, Mysterians yeah. don't like people. Mm-hmm. They don't like people. And this, what's her name? I'll get it. I'm going to get it. Gonzalez? The presiding uh, council member who was running the show is Deborah Juarez. Oh, Juarez. Yep. And she she's the one who kept telling him, come on, pal, you get your two minutes. Now you're down to a minute 30. I will link this video so that people can see it for themselves without having to watch it to the GL page. But when you watch the video in, in, in conjunction with listening to it, you see every council member not looking at him at all. They're all looking down at their phones, not paying any attention to him whatsoever. We're in big trouble. Uh, We're not. Stop. Stop. We're pushing back. We're pushing back. He was there to push back, and this is going to backfire on that Seattle City Council. Well, maybe the Euphorians really don't care, but that's that's the big thing is that there's pushback across the country. You want to push back at a jewelry store? What do you got? Get to molars. Uh, if your wife's engagement ring is bigger than your daughter's, you're uh, you're in hot water. You're in hot water. Molars been taking care of these problems for sixty seven years. They'll take her original diamond in on trade and provide you with a diamond that will really impress her. And I know some people who've done this, and all they can say is, "I wish I would have done it ten years ago." Molar staff of uh, registered jewelers, certified gemologists, and certified gemologist gemologist appraisers are qualified, they'll show you the difference between a molar diamond and the diamonds the other jewelers sell. And if it's price you're worried about, let me assure you, uh, molar doesn't lose a sale due to price. And if you don't believe me, go online and look at their satisfied reviews. RF Molar Jeweler, 50th in France in Edina, 
the flagship store at Ford and Cleveland in St. Paul, Gabaday Common in downtown Minneapolis, or on the web at rfmoller.com. Time Magazine, Tim notes, which once featured great thinkers and world leaders on its covers, has elevated the former bartender who has yet to accomplish anything in Congress to the cover spot. It's not fake news that is destroying the reputation of formerly great journalistic institutions. It's the persistent erosion of gravitas in any sense of what is really important in our world. Time magazine, which has been sold twice in the last two years, has now become People magazine. Here is the fawning Time cover portrait, which I have seen. It's a picture of Alexandria Occasional Cortex, because the news gatherers uh, cannot leave her alone. They just can't leave her alone. And uh, just a couple notes on the sky, because you know I never miss celestial events. Exactly. Or I, I try not to miss celestial events. Uh, uh, Rick and Duluth writes, here's hope you can find clear, dark skies on uh, March 23rd. That would be tomorrow. Uh, there will be an aurora storm. What's an aurora storm? Well, I, I think he's referring to the northern lights. They is that a storm? Okay, I didn't know that. I just thought they were just out there. Well, and and uh, Keith in Terry, Montana, uh, writes, uh, here is an outlook for viewing the Northern Lights tonight, March 22nd, and tomorrow night, 23rd of March. You might have to get away from the country's tallest buildings to view them. Me? Since the town installed LED streetlights a few years ago, I might have to drive a few miles <laughs> to get outside the light pollution. <laughs> tomorrow, huh? Tonight right. and tomorrow. Why don't I? What, what does the headline say, Rook? The it's, phenom. How Alexandria Occasional Cortex became America's lightning rod. Is she? She hasn't struck? She's been just a bunch of hot air. She hasn't done a damn thing. Um, do you want to know the power of the GL podcast? Mm. Occasional Cortex is a thing now on social media. Really? Yes. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I've started well, that, came, the- that came to us, I think, from Bill Stein. Oh, did Billy come up yeah, with that? I think somebody okay. up in Aiken came up with. I think it was a doctor friend of his who uh, said I we got to call. Yeah, yeah you got to refer to her as occasional cortex, which we immediately <laughs> glommed onto. Fantastic. Say, why don't we uh, be back shortly, fellas? a man who spends hours in hardware stores sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. This height or stooge? This is uh, young Dylan Height. Young Dylan Height. Mm-hmm. Isn't that nice? How long that till ain't he bad makes... for doing it in your kitchen. And how long till he makes it big and won't let us use his music right. anymore? <laughs> You recall we stumbled onto a new uh, uh, way that the news gatherers present the hysteria, and that is to tell us how many people might be affected by one particular catastrophe or another. Uh, And now we get the USA Today headline, spring flooding could be unprecedented with 200 million Americans at risk. The population of this country is 327 million. Okay. What's 200 million? Is that about 65%? Roughly, yeah. Wow. <laughs> no. No. Okay. So now, only thing, the only thing that might be unprecedented is, I suppose, with each passing year and you get a flood, it stands to reason 
that more people might be impacted because the population continues to expand. But there's nothing unprecedented. I did the homework. I love sense thens. Okay. So I went and got? looked. All right. What'd you find? Just a minute. I'm not even going to hang on to that USA Today nonsense. Most of the flooding is, what, the middle of the country and maybe out, out east? Mm-hmm. Nebraska is having terrible flooding. So I looked up the top five floods in Nebraska history. All right. Well, there was the Republican River flood of 1935. Mm-hmm. Uh on May 30, 1935, a historic flood swept through the Republican River, creating a devastation along its path. On this day, as much as 18 to 24 inches of rain fell in eastern Colorado and southwestern Nebraska. By early morning of the 31st, the, usual, the usually peaceful Republican River was running bluff to bluff along its upper reaches with all the water that roared through Republican Valley Basin. Everything in the water's path, including buildings, livestock, trees, snakes, and people were washed down the river. Jeez. There are many stories of people clinging to trees until they could be rescued. Towns close to the river, including Parks, Benkelman, Culbertson, and Cambridge, were flooded. Cambridge, the most affected, had nearly three-quarters of its homes flooded. Ninety-four people were killed. 341 miles of highway were damaged and 307 bridges were damaged or destroyed. In all, the total damage from this event was estimated at $26 million, which is $440 million roughly today. That was in 1935. Okay. The Great Flood of 1993. Uh, Much of the eastern and southern Missouri River Basin in Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, Kansas, and Missouri had saturated soil moisture conditions. This was primarily due to the above average precipitation received in the last half of 1992 and spring of 1993. Uh, In the end, there were two deaths. Additionally, public infrastructure uh, damage totaled uh, $71 million in today's dollars, and 5.8 million acres of cropland were flooded, resulting in $512 million in damage. All righty. It's pretty big. So uh, the floods of 1950. From May to July 1950, South Central and Southeast Nebraska had four major floods that together claimed 25 lives and uh, resulted in a billion dollars in damage. Uh, Missouri River flood of 1881. You get you get my point. I do. So it's, we've, we've had a lot of floods before. Medicine Creek Republican River flood of 1947. All right, you get my get my point there. It's all happened before. I think I got it. Yes, I'm not done, but you you may interrupt briefly. So I was in southern uh, southern Iowa yesterday. Yep. And a lot of flood of flooding in the area mm-hmm. had. Probably three or four conversations with different people from the outer Des Moines area. Not one of them presented what was going on with hysteria. It's like they they just said, that's what happens here this time of the year. What are the worst floods in American history? I have a rundown of the top 30. Okay. I'm, it t- all of this, pers- all of this perspective and context <clears throat> is what is no longer offered by news gatherers. Nope. It's just not offered. It's all hysteria. The sense, the history. Uh, I won't. Uh, the 30th worst was Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Remember that hit Houston terribly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 29th worst flood was Los Angeles, 1938. 115 dead. Ooh. 1938. Buffalo Creek flood in West Virginia, 1972. 125 dead. Uh, number 27, uh, Hurricane uh, If Agnes. I may interrupt, are they judging it by how many people dead or the the... Destruction of what is the well? 
that's a good point. I'm not no. demeaning any. Floods uh, have led to countless disasters throughout history. The story of a catastrophic flood, a metaphor for a cleansing of humanity's sins, appears in many cultures from ancient Mesopotamia to China to Mayan peoples and Aboriginal tribe Maya peoples and Aboriginal tribes in Australia. Flooding killed 116 people in the U.S. last year, the most lethal type of weather event in the nation. Floods are also responsible for about $6 billion in damage annually, according to National Geographic. Mm. Okay, to say these are the 30 worst would be a combination of uh, monetary destruction and loss of okay. lives. Big floods. Yep. Number 30, Hurricane Harvey. 29, Los Angeles. 28, Buffalo Creek. 27, Hurricane Angus in 72. Uh, 26, Southeast U.S. floods in 1998. Uh, number 25, the Mill River Dam in western Massachusetts, 1874. Uh, big number 24, Big Thompson Canyon flood, 1976 in Colorado. Number 23, a Pacific tsunami in 1946 that, that affected uh, Hawaii. Uh, number 22, the Brazos River flood in Freeport, Texas, 1913. Number 21, floods in eastern U.S., 1996. Number 20, east coast floods. On the East Coast states, 1955, 200 dead, $7.78 billion. Number 19, the Great Northeast Flood, Maryland to Maine, 1936. Texas Flood, 1921 is number 18. Number 17, Superstorm Sandy. Remember when Superstorm Sandy hit in 2012, hit New Jersey and New York? Mm -hmm. It it was, uh, by then, in 2012, uh, the template was completely being followed that that was the worst thing that ever has happened. Well, only places 17 on the list of top 30. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not diminishing its impact. It was dreadful. Uh, Number 16, the Black Hills flood in Rapid City, South Dakota, 1972. Uh, The Mississippi River Basin uh, flood was the 15th, 1927. Number 14, Hurricane Camille, 1969 on the East Coast. Number 13, Brazos River again, Freeport, Texas, 1899. Okay. Number 12, the Oregon Hepner Flash Flood. Kepner, Oregon, 1903, 324 dead, cost unknown. Number 11, Miami hurricane and flooding, 1926. Number 10, the Ohio River flood, 1937. (laughs) This is uncanny. But today, 200 million people are going to be wiped out, according to USA Today. Number 9, the Labor Day hurricane, Florida Keys, 1935. Number 8, the St. Francis Dam failure in L.A., 1928. Uh, statewide Ohio flood, number 7, 1913, 467 dead, $82 billion in damage. I'm, I'm imagining they're giving us today's right. figures. Uh, number 6, the New England hurricane and flooding, New England, Long Island, 1938. Number 5, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, that also, by 05, the template had been pretty well oh, established, yes. and, yeah. mm-hmm. and that, that's when we were trying to blame that one on, on W. That was W's fault. <laughs> right. uh, I'll never forget, Kanye. Uh, I'll never forget the, uh, a group of black women uh, being interviewed by, I think it was an ABC reporter. Yes. These women had been uh, receiving shelter, I believe, in, somewhere in Houston, maybe mm-hmm. in Texas. And uh, the reporter... Uh, literally said, do you blame George W. Bush for this? And those women, they pushed back. They didn't know they were pushing back at the time, but they said, 
what the hell are you talking about? He didn't right. cause the right. flood. Not Bush's fault. The question was asked, do you blame yeah. George right. W. Bush? Number four, South Carolina Sea Islands Hurricane, 1893, 2,000 fatalities. Wow. The Johnstown Flood, you've all heard of that. Yep. Johnstown, Pennsylvania, 1889. On May 31st, 1889, following several days of heavy rain, a dam near Johnstown burst. The size and scope of the flood that ensued is difficult to comprehend even today. Up to 2,209 people died, including 99 entire families. Bodies were found as far away as Cincinnati. Flood lines were marked as high as 89 feet above river level, and the wave that struck Johnstown was said to be 40 feet high. The South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club, whose members included industrialists Andrew Carnegie and Henry Clay Frick, as in Frick, uh, didn't he own the pirates, Uh, Mm. owned the dam but managed to avoid... Liability. Historians and legal experts believe the anger over the failure to find fault in the tragedy led to stricter liability laws in the U.S. It was the first major disaster in which the Red Cross was flooded. Second, South Florida hurricane and flood near Lake Okeechobee, 1928, 3,000 dead. Wow. And number one, Galveston hurricane and storm surge. 1900 8000 dead. And today we're uh we're we're being placed on high alarm uh that we're was it I'll go back to it. You know most of your numbers are from the early part of the 20th century. But we're now governed by fools who think they can uh, adjust an imaginary thermostat. Here's the uh Here's the uh, spring flooded. Uh, uh, spring flooding could be unprecedented. Boy, it's going to have to go away to be unprecedented. Do you think spring flooding uh, this year in the United States is going to kill 9,000 people? No, nope. I, I don't. I certainly hope not. I don't think so. Uh, spring flooding already has been disastrous uh, and it's likely to get worse. Federal forecasters announced uh, Thursday floods could reach unprecedented and potentially historic levels. Well, we have some background now to judge them against. Right. The nation's 30 top. Storms, I mean floods. Almost the entire eastern two-thirds of the nation should see flooding, National Weather Service Deputy Director Mary Erickson said. Uh, Some 25 states are forecast to see moderate to major flooding. Uh, the, The Midwest floods are a preview of what we expect throughout the rest of the spring. She said the flooding this year could be worse than we have seen in previous years, even worse than the historic floods we saw in 1993 and 2011. Lady, are you aware of... Galveston in 1900? Are, are you aware of, of, of the the devastating, truly catastrophic flood? Did you ever hear of the Johnstown flood, lady? You know what? The answer is no. I guarantee none of these people well, I mean, have heard of any she, of this. Well, I, she did. She does, but it doesn't... It, <laughs> 200 million people affected. Mm-hmm. No, I guarantee, Joe, you put a microphone in front of this lady's face, she's going to be able to cite Katrina... And uh, 2012. Super uh, Sandy. Sandy. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Houston. That's true. Houston was in 2017. Uh, no one in GL is here to say these floods uh, are not significant. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is th- this is apparently, from what we can tell in our brief, brief 100 year look back. What we can tell is nature has routinely behaved this way. What is different today 
just it, it, we see this particularly with hurricanes, is more and more people live in harm's way. You know, you can imagine, right. yeah. uh, well, let me go back to the one, uh, you can imagine how many people would be in serious trouble. Let me get back to the uh, Florida one. Uh, uh, South Florida hurricane and flood, 1928. Uh, 3,000 people dead. Can you imagine and, and many of those were poor farm workers who had no shelter. Sure. Uh, or warning. But, but can you imagine? That's the second worst, uh, f- second worst flood and hurricane in the nation's history that we know of. Uh, number one being Galveston in 1900. But can you imagine if if Southern Florida got hit with the storm of that significance today? How many people would be at serious risk for their lives? Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe not, because warning systems are so good now, and, and they, they would leave, and the structures are better. But can you imagine, how many people lived near Lake Okeechobee in 1928? Not as many as they do now. By far. Was it USA Today that threw out the $200 million? Yep. I'm not in any way trying to defend them. I just merely want to oh, get inside their head. Do you think that they're sadly trying to cling to the idea that we can say 200 million will be affected because of things like crops and, you know, the, the oh, price no, of stuff is going to go up? I, I get your point. Your, your point is fair, but uh, they say 200 million Americans at risk. Okay. They're, they're, they're not thinking the way you're thinking. They're, they're thinking that it's in their agenda to, pro, to provide this uh, as something uh, hysterical. Okay. And uh, I don't have any doubts about that anymore. In other words, I don't trust them. I don't either. I don't trust yep. news gatherers to tell me things I really need to know. I don't go back to the cover of Time magazine with uh, AOC on the cover. That's not news. She's not newsworthy. No. She's what? not important yet. She might very well be someday. What was she called? But I don't the trust. Rod? Yeah, I don't trust news gatherers. Their 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 agendas are too painfully obvious to GLers. Because I guess the reason I say that is last night when I was coming home, one of the roads near my house was was closed before I got back. So in essence, I was affected. I didn't care, but I was affected. So I don't know if that's their logic. I couldn't cross Highway 19. It, it, exactly, and I was affected by the. Flood. If that's the if that's the really weak attempt that they're going to make to well, the, again, if you want to take the headline at, at its word, it says spring flooding could be unprecedented with two hundred million Americans at risk, mm-hmm. and and it, you would have to presume by at risk they mean two hundred million Americans are at risk of being flooded, right? And and I hope to God that's not the case, mm-hmm. but if you look back through history. There's been horrible floods since the beginning of time. Right. Uh, that's the subject, by the way, of Holcomb's current cartoon. <laughs> right. Pedro? Because it's Pedro Luca, my hero. Mm-hmm. He's laying in a hammock and he's reading a, a fan letter from AOC who's asking, <laughs> who's essentially asking Pedro Luca, uh, who is the best expert you know of, uh, Pedro, on climate change? And in, in the, in the cartoon word bubble out of Pedro's mouth is, that's easy, Noah. <laughs> right so yes. we, these floods go back to noah right building the ark but when noah built the ark he only took animals 
There wasn't anybody in the eastern two-thirds of the United States. Yeah, right. He was all across the pond, wasn't he? Yeah. Where was Noah? Hey, make sure you uh, make sure your wife is going to show off her, her new ring. You got to get to Molars. They'll take it in on a trade-in, set you up with a new one, make her proud. It's fantastic. Don't worry about the price. Molar doesn't lose sales because of the price. Look at their reviews. R.F. Molar Jeweler, 50th in France in Edina, Ford in Cleveland and St. Paul. Gavaday Common in Minneapolis and rfmolar.com. This guy has seen more urban wildlife than a DNR field agent with a Ph.D., Joe Suchere. I got many wonderful emails from listeners regarding yesterday's uh, show when I dragged out my favorite document, the ice out dates. Yes. Uh, Do you have that at the ready today? I know where it is. You know where it is. Uh, And, Reavers, you missed this, but uh, yesterday uh, we learned that the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, said that winters in Minnesota are no longer uh, what they were. And that uh, since 1970, uh, per decade, the temperatures are increased 1.1 degree per decade since the 70s. And uh, I dragged out, well, that boils down to what we say, uh, one-tenth of a degree per year? Yes. And, and, uh, and I said, well, that's, so what? Uh, it hasn't resulted in anything. It hasn't resulted in anything. And I dragged out the ice out sheet. And I said, if this, if this planet is really in peril, if Minnesota is in peril, and it did sound like a, the people quoted locally, Paul Douglas and others, they sounded like children who were saying, I want my winter to be just like it was when I went tobogganing as a kid. You know, there's nothing out there. B as in B, S as in S. My point being, my point being that if the planet was seriously in this kind of peril, Give me an ice out date of Feb 28 in the last 10 years. You, Give me something. Then you got something. Give me something. <laughs> the ice out has not changed in 164 years. I'll add this. I, I know that that's meaningless in the cosmic scheme of time, 164 years. But if you're telling me that the planet is in peril, where in the hell's the proof? I don't see any proof. I get, and I got many emailers along that line. Here's Craig who writes, and he's, he's provided me some wonderful information, uh, Craig Johnson. Regarding uh, emailer Matthew, I, I think he's referring to a, an emailer who uh, was explaining uh, to me. I put out the question, I think, this week, Monday. If, you're, if, if science has reached a consensus, show me the equation you use to determine the relationship between CO2 and temperature. Well, and, and so Craig is referring to that. Uh, see, uh, there are too many variables involved for those models, the equations, to be accurate. That is exactly our point. You and I don't worry about CO2 emissions because we know there are many, many variables in lo- uh, involved and that humans and their carbon footprint are much too small a variable to make a measurable difference in the climate. Here he, referring to a previous emailer, makes a comparison of the actual size of Earth to humans and then humans to viruses to illustrate his point. However, when we say nature is larger than man, we mean it more metaphorically than literally. He, on the other hand, believes that CO2 is a serious problem, uh, but that the believers just can't tell us exactly how serious. That is, in his mind, no reason not to take the threat seriously. We are told by the believers that the science is settled, or that man is indeed responsible for changing the climate, and that there are serious negative consequences because of that. 
If that is indeed the case, then show me the computer model, the equation that proves the theory. But they can't because despite their appeal to science, they are indeed appealing merely to faith. They are the believers. They give us one 12-year doomsday scenario after another based on CO2 causing the Earth to warm. And as proof, we are given their computer models, their equations, that show temperature rising alongside CO2 emissions. But why are the models, the equations, always wrong? Why are they always so drastically wrong? And why are they always wrong on the high end of the scale? How is it possible that not one of these models has ever underestimated the temperature? In true science... The law of averages would dictate that half the models are too high and half are too low. But instead, they all predict temperatures far higher than actual actual temps. And he provides a graph. Uh, there are too many variables to predict temperatures. Uh, you and I aren't alarmed in the least about global warming or climate change. We sense that while CO2 in theory causes the greenhouse effect, there is nothing to worry about because our mother, the Earth, has many variables that tend to equalize all others. Right. Which of those many variables, after all, is responsible for for counteracting the CO2-induced greenhouse effect to the point where the computer models, the equations, are always wrong? Find the variable that has obviously stunted the proposed effect of CO2, and then we can make some real computer models instead of the indulgences we now see. We understand completely the idea that there are too many variables to accurately predict the effect of CO2 on the climate. That is the essence of our argument. There are indeed too many variables in climate science to assign the cause of climate change to just one variable called CO2. And if we look at the highly inaccurate computer models, uh, the equations of the believers, then we understand that the effect of CO2 on the climate has been highly overrated. And here's the graph. Global mid-tropospheric temperature, five-year averages in degrees Celsius. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the Earth is cooling. <laughs> you know what? We don't know what the hell the Earth is doing. We don't. I don't know if it's... I, and I don't care. And this story yesterday really did sound like people who have this idea in mind that, you know, they started with... Their baseline was 1970. Does that mean 1970 was perfect? If you had started with 1940 as your baseline, you would have seen a graph that encompassed warm and cooling, warm and cooling. Mm -hmm. If you start with 1970, they can demonstrate 1.1 degree per decade, which is one-tenth of a degree per year, which hasn't resulted in the climate changing. Otherwise, dare I bring it out again? Yep. I know where it is. My favorite document. I'm going to laminate it for you. <laughs> it's no different at, uh, at uh, what's the Great Lake in New Hampshire, Winnipesaukee? Yeah. Uh, ice out dates here and haven't changed in, uh, in 200 years. Ice out dates here haven't changed in 164 years. Why not? May 5th, 2018 for Lake Minnetonka. May 5th, 1857. <laughs> that means something to me. It means it's random. It means quit worrying, people. What's wrong with you? Well, again, they get their money. The models, the models, they they don't come cheap. They need to be uh, paid. The people that are downloading all the information. Yeah, but but, but the, imagine but, being the person. But wait, stop. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to accuse the scientists of being corrupt. I don't. I don't think they are. I I, I just think they have subscribed to a school of thought. And they keep trying to make the school of thought meet what they expect it to. 
They do believe the earth is warming, so they keep trying to find ways to prove themselves correct. So you believe that they're trying to find the equation. Yeah. The equation that has not been found. You can't because of too many variables. Imagine for a second here. Mm -hmm. Now follow me. That you're the teacher that walked into Diane Feinstein's office. Mm-hmm. Imagine that's. Don't play the this, audio. I'm not going to play the audio. I, I won't do that to the people. But imagine being that person. Mm-hmm. Your entire existence, you're worried about this kind of crap, mm-hmm. which is obvious. That's what she. That's why she was there with her students. Mm-hmm. You can't enjoy a stretch of weather like we've had the last couple of days because you're worried every minute of every day that this is the end of all of us, right. or that in 15 years we're all going to burn alive. Imagine that's your entire existence. Because there are people out there that do buy all this crap. Of course. And that's so haunting. And and uh, in 1938, when... Do you want to hear the audio, by the way? No. Okay. In 1938, when we didn't have the true believers among us, it was 76 degrees on March 22nd. I wish it was today. Uh, I don't know what the temperature's supposed to be. We don't have the formula. I don't have a formula. I don't have an equation. Uh, you know who's uh, going into the uh, Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Fame? Yes, sir. Our dear got? friend Patrick. And we'll have him on today. Right? Oh, I can't wait. For, this is for real? Yeah, this fall he's going in. How do you think about that, Pat? Welcome, brothers. <laughs> I, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> looking good here. Uh, we got, uh... Do I get a plaque or what do you I get? You get a nice Trophy? plaque. Uh, no, you got a nice plaque with your picture on it. How about some uh, appetizers? We got some cheese and crackers. They'll have that too. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. That will be the best acceptance speech in history. Because all he will do is go up there and make fun of everyone and himself. Well, here's, that's all it will be. Okay, but here's one key <laughs> thing you need to factor in who is he being voted in with? You were voted in with a pretty darn good crowd. I actually have John, the list. I don't, I, I don't know who he's being voted in with. Uh, Paul Majors. Yeah. Pa, uh, is it pa, posthumously? Yep. Uh, Ralph John Fritz. Oh, oh good guy. Uh, we'll be going in with Patrick along with Dennis Anderson of WDIO. I believe oh, okay. DIO is out of Duluth, right? Yes. Yeah. I think so. So the, uh, that's the list that Just I saw. Just three? I think, I think so. Well, the, uh, the short on, ceremony. Don't, why you diminish it like that? There's no, no, some three quality. I meant let's it'll not be a, water down the, uh, <laughs> the uh, attendees. I oh. meant that the ceremony will be a little shorter then. Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Yes, sir. Yes, sure. You think so? I have more time. Keep it brief. You know, 84, I uh, was talking with Sparky and... Uh, Whitey comes up and uh, I want some sauerkraut. Uh, yeah. He really likes that kraut, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's fun. Congratulations Absolutely. to Pat. Absolutely. Say, I know it doesn't look like it. We're talking about the temperature, but we're getting closer and closer to the motorcycle season. It's time to get your bike ready. It's time to get in touch with Minnesota's own great company, DennisKirk.com. They have more than 160,000 products in stock for you and your bike, from apparel to tires, you name it. It doesn't matter what bike you ride, Harley, Cruiser, sport bike, even a trike. They have the parts. They have the clothing. They have the helmets. Uh, Are you in a hurry for something? Place an order by 8 o'clock today or any day you place an order, and you'll get it tomorrow. Now, that's hard to believe, but that's the way DennisKirk.com does business. DennisKirk. A great website, by the way. Just treat your... It's a, yeah. it's a seed catalog you for us bikers. love it. DennisKirk.com. Order today and get it tomorrow. 
Have you noticed the consolidation happening to commercial insurance agencies today? This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. The big just keep getting bigger, and you and your business continue to get passed around until you become a dreaded house account. You have been consolidated. All of this was done to you without your control. Get options and take control of your company's insurance program. Have the Canopy Group help you gain a commercial insurance strategy that makes your business more attractive to the insurance industry. The more insurance companies that we can get interested in your business, the more competitive your pricing will be. If your business is renewing in March, April, or May and is paying less than $80,000 in premium, don't accept being a house account. Get the attention you deserve with the Canopy Group. Visit thecanopygroup.com or call 800-967-3389, 800-967-3389, The Canopy Group. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Is this as a result of your stock tips? Is that why you're in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> you got to start writing your speech, boy. Oh, I think we made freelance it. Did you write one? I don't think you. If you would have written one, you would have included your wife. I really got in trouble, didn't I? Yeah. Man. <laughs> wow. Oh, that was the uh, that was the saddest thing of my life when you went back up there because I was going to make an impromptu appearance. <laughs> Even if he doesn't CP, we appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Completely blanked out. He named every program manager, uh, Angie, (laughs) Kelly Lynn, Freddie, Lauren. (laughs) Forgot the family. (laughs) Some of whom traveled great distances. Yes, yes, that uh, could have been bad. Well, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to have... I think I'm going to have the DA get up and introduce me and say, "Could you, you know, could you maybe talk about a few highlights of the shows you've listened to?" <laughs> or mention two. <laughs> and she would be, uh, she would be uh, speechless for one of the few times in her life. So, are you anyway. at the ballpark? I am at the ballpark. Got here early. It's a six o'clock game. A jam-packed sellout. Uh, with the Red Sox, a night game, spring break still going on for a lot of people. So, uh, uh, you know, we don't have much time left here, Joe. It's uh, I'm leaving in four days, and uh, they open next they, Thursday at home. They they open next Thursday, and uh, you know, there's only the Twins have uh, a home game Sunday with the Yankees, which means you know, all the people that come out expecting to see the Yankees, and they'll see some guys that play for. Uh, their triple-A team. Right. And then Monday, the Twins are playing their own Rochester Red Wings because a lot of teams like the Red Sox are going off to play some series somewhere on their way to open the season. They're going to the West Coast, and then uh, they play Rochester here Monday. And Tuesday, the Colorado Rockies stop in because they're on the way to play Miami from mm-hmm. Arizona. And then that's it. They, uh, they get out of here on the afternoon. But you know what? A, a great monumental event. Two great monumental events in spring training are someone always takes a photo of the truck that has arrived. Oh, right? yeah. You always got the semi-trailer. The truck has arrived. Well, today the truck is departing. Really? So they're uh, they're keeping the bare minimums here, and uh, everybody's packing up and uh, 
sending it home. Now, the minor leaguers stay here an extra week because they don't start the season until April 5th or 6th. But the uh, the truck is here and will be departing for uh, the Twin Cities uh, sometime today. What's the update on Sano? Is there one? Uh, I mean, we won't even be talking about whether he's... uh, We we haven't gotten any reports on him doing baseball activities. Those probably won't occur until the middle of April. Well, first of all, he stayed in the... The original report was that he'd be at the Mayo Clinic for two days, you Mm -hmm. know, at the hospital there, and he stayed in the hospital for a week. Really? Having that thing treated. Uh, They must have been... They must have found some infection they had to kill if they kept him there a week. Wow. Luckily, they went and got that Marwin Gonzalez, who was a pretty good player, and they signed him, and he can play third base. So, you'll, you'll, you know, he was a guy that they were going to get 500 at bats, but have him play all over. Well, he's going to, uh, he's going to play third base until Snow comes back. So, anyway. what, what do you think of the tournament so far? Uh, well, I could have been 16 and 0 yesterday. I was 14 and. And New Mexico State, Mm -hmm. I had New Mexico State, and they lost by one. And uh, what other uh, underdog came within two? Should have won. What what other team am I thinking? Oh, Belmont. I had Belmont, too, and they lost by two. I could have been 16-0. You had the mighty Gulfs, huh? I had the Gulfs, yeah. The Gulfs were playing their best they played, and Louisville had lost seven of their last ten. And uh, just I I saw them a little bit a couple of times and they didn't do much for me. This is they're not uh, you know we got this impression that they're these great Louisville athletes of days of yore. But uh, you know if that kid if the if the feds didn't find out about the hundred thousand they paid that kid he'd be a sophomore now and then Louisville would have been tough to beat. But mm-hmm. uh, he, you know they found out about the hundred grand. So when you're paying a hundred grand. And when you lose a hundred grand player, you're not going to be as good as you were going to be, right? That's right. Yeah, I think Louisville got uh, hammered, but and Michigan State, I see Izzo's getting all kinds of heat for going crazy at one of his players, right? And he had a clenched fist, but that's the way he does it. I mean, it's not that that whole incident is going to. Uh, I think that's bad for the Gophers because Michigan State is going to be fully aware and uh, ready to play on uh, Saturday. And when they play defense, they could be really fierce. You know, Pat, uh, the Reavers caravan made the trip down 35 yesterday, and we like to call it, because we go to the Big Ten tournament uh, every once in a while, it's in Chicago, we call it the Izzo double foot stomp. That's what we like to call okay. it, because he throws oh, a little yeah. tantrum on the sideline. But what was yeah, neat was the Gophers, the Gopher fans showed up yesterday, and once they grabbed the lead, everyone in that building was cheering against Louisville. Hmm. Because they always root for the underdog. But tomorrow they play at six forty-five. If you want to go, you got all day to get oh, there. Yeah. Are you going back, Rivers? Oh God, no! I can't. I can't pass that one past the bride. There's no way she'll let me go down okay, there twice. Two, uh, two trips in one. But is this the first time you've ever loaded your father up in a car and have him actually see a win on the road at one of these tournaments? I think the Gophers Usually won. You drive down to the Big Ten game and have him lose to Penn State and have to turn around with your tail between your legs. Yeah, they lost the very first game a couple of years ago to Illinois, and I looked at him and said, "Well, now what the hell are we going to do?" <laughs> You know, what I like about the tournament, uh, I end up being kind of the historian. Uh, like, I looked up Wolford. You know where they yeah. are? I don't North even know. Carolina, uh, South Carolina. Spartanburg. Yes. 
Yeah. You know, uh, Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Oldest diocesan college in the United States. <laughs> really? Yep. I, uh, I'm so I, that's my only role in this thing because I I don't follow college basketball, but I love to find out the histories of these schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, well, did Fer, uh, didn't Furman have an extraordinary early season? Frank, yes, this year, but they also have a legendary player, Frank Selvi. Who scored 100 points in a game, if I'm not mistaken, and played for the Lakers in Minneapolis briefly. But Furman didn't make the tournament this year. No, no, they went in the tank. They uh, went in the tank, and then I think they got beaten the first round of the Nets, too, if I'm not mistaken. They were a national story in December. Yeah, they went, uh, and Wolford is in the same league, right? Mm-hmm. I think they are. I'm not sure. But Wolford's good, and uh, boy, you're... Uh, I picked against your uh, Marquettes, and I'm glad I did, because they were never in the game. Murray State's good. Yeah, they Murray, are. Kentucky State. You know why Murray, Murray State is famous for longtime Gopher fans, don't you? No. Because when uh, Johnny Kunla was leaving, we hired, uh, we hired as his replacement Cal Luther. Oh, for Pete's sake. Murray, Murray State. Remember Cal Luther? And then he... Yep. Saw Williams Arena, called up and said, I'm coming back home. I yeah. still have my job. And he went back to Burry State instead of taking the job at the old dumpy barn, and then they hired Musselman from Ashland, Ohio. Now, Murray State's in Kentucky, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Old-time basketball Ohio Valley Conference. Yeah. used to be in Elba. Oh, they're practicing the anthem down here. Let me put the clock on this jackass. It's off to kind of a slow start. Now. Come on, buddy. Hurry Let's up. Let's go here. Come on. That right there gets you in the Hall See, of Fame, Pat's, ladies and Pat's as much of a bad waiter as I am. Yes. Especially for the anthem. I've got a new theory on anthems. All right. We're going to let them sing it before the Super Bowl. Okay, you can do that. Yeah. Big tone of 500. Yep. Seventh game of the World Series, not the first day. All right. If we get to game seven, we can sing it. All right. Seventh game of the NBA Finals. Yep. Seventh game of the Stanley Cup Finals. The hell with the rest of them. It's redundant. Nobody pays any attention. All right. Uh, you know, we, 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 let's let's save it for special occasions. Okay. We you, know, you know, let's, you know, we don't have to. Singing for junior varsity basketball games. Good luck talking the NFL into that yeah. plan. Oh, God, it's a patriotic frenzy. All of them are. Uh, we, but, uh, Joe, uh, we're running out of World War II veterans down here. For years, they they honor some vet before every game down here. And, it, right. it, and it's easy to find vets down here. Right. But the World War II, we're up to the Korean War and the Vietnam War. Now. Yep. We, don't, we don't get many WW2 guys anymore. No, they'd all be in their 90s at least, right? Pretty much yeah. in their 90s. Yeah. Oh, hell, older have, than that, really. Many. We did have a very interesting silver alert yesterday, too. Yeah, I love those uh, silver alerts. Yeah, because it was a 2018 that the guy walked out in and took off driving. <laughs> SUV. Usually it's a 1993 uh, old <laughs> 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 This guy was in a new car. With, yeah, the guy with the new, new, you know, the guy with the case of dementia finds his old car out there stuck in the back out in the brush and he takes off and, uh, and then, we, then we get the silver alerts on yeah. all the freeways but uh this usually it's not a usually that's what i observe what kind of car is it because it's usually you know usually 12 13 15 years old and a big old 
I think this was an SUV. It yeah. was a very, very, I, it was an escape, escape. It was an escape. Escape. But don't most yeah. of the uh, silver alerts end with a, uh, a happy ending? He was found in the meat department at Publix. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> they usually do. Very, very bad endings. Uh, you know, or maybe went to the bar. They find him in a bar someplace. Or yeah, it's, uh, yeah. But you, you get one every every day. There's a new one out there. This yeah. one lasted quite a while. That guy must have been shifty. Rookie was couldn't find him. He was looking. He was in the meat department at Publix looking for shoes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they found him. Hey Pat, what do you think of this uh, contract for Mike Trout? I, I, I can't pretend to understand the economics of this game anymore. Ah uh, well. I don't know. I know one thing. Mookie Betts, who's a little superstar here for the Red Sox, mm-hmm. the Red Sox were trying to get to sign an extension. He said, eh, hey, I'm going to wait. Yeah. <laughs> 2020. I'm going to wait here and see. Uh, he says, what I love, though, and he seems like a nice guy and he's a good kid, but he said, I want to be treated fairly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is that? 350? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, fairly. Fairly. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, I want to be treated fairly. Don't. Don't say that. Just say, I want all I can get, yeah. you know? And then we'll we'll have more respect for you if you say that. Golf's right up the freeway in Tampa this week. Yeah, they don't have the greatest field. DJ's there, but not, yeah. uh, last year they had Tiger, you know, and they had their greatest uh, Valspar ever, but it's, it's kind of gotten in a bad spot on the schedule because of, uh, you know, the uh, there's a number, you know, we're coming right after the players and then closing in on the Masters. It's not a real good spot in the, on the, in the tournament. Uh, Brooks Kepka and Mickelson have both uh, agreed to the 3M tournament. Kepka too? Yeah. Wow, that's good. Yep. He, not play, he hasn't played much early this year. No. But that's, uh, well, you know, if Phil actually shows up, it's a success. I mean, it's going to make it if Phil shows up, don't you think? Absolutely, I think it's going to uh, uh, it's going to be quite the festival out there. They're bringing in music and the whole deal. It's over the Fourth yeah. of July. Well, if you think about the senior tournament that was here, uh, a lot of the golf fans knew those senior tour guys and were popular. But now, with the resurgence of of being rowdy on the golf course, the young guys are following these the latest guys. So it's it's a perfect time to switch. Yeah, but you can't be rowdy. You can only be rowdy at that Arizona tournament. No, I know the camp at the 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 uh, what is the waste management one. But yeah. but what I'm saying is those uh, guys the Ryder, the Ryder Cup would argue with that theory. Well, that's Joe. true. Well, let me let me tell you this: the All Zach right. Brown. If you get tickets for the Zach Brown thing which are they're kind of expensive you know but it's a day-long experience at the at the golf course starting at 10 a.m all you can drink and eat free as part of the ticket really so we're going to get these hillbillies out there and they're going to whatever they pay they're going to say well we got to get out there early to get our money's worth that's right right. (laughs) you're going to have some you're going to have some people just like the Ryder Cup who don't know if they're on foot or horseback out there screaming and hollering. Either that or Zach Brown's going to play to an audience, all of whom are asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Passed out on yeah. their chairs. You're going to have to have a vomitorium. <laughs> all right, laddie. Hey, uh, next, uh, no, wait. Yeah, next Friday I'll be home. So uh, Beautiful. So, uh, I might be in the in the station. Maybe I'll drop in. All right. Okay. Very good. Beautiful. See ya. You All do right. whatever you want. You. You're in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, I, 
the baseball one I'm never going to get into. And uh, they, they were going to put me in the Prior Lake Athletic Hall of Fame, and I said, okay. I played one season of mediocre basketball, and I played a season of baseball where I was suspended two weeks for drinking beer. I don't think I belong in a Hall of Fame. These are baby steps. These are baby steps. I, I, think, you need, I think you have people with better resumes yeah. than that. So, okay. All right. Thank All right. you. See you. Uh, <laughs> wow. Do you know I'm in the Baseball Hall of Fame? That's what did right. you you play left out, didn't you? No, I'm in the I'm in the in Cooperstown. Third base, a hot corner? No, I'm in the library. <laughs> hot corner. I'm in the library. What? A book that once there was a ballpark is in the uh in the Cooperstown no, Library. No. I got a card no, nerd, somewhere. Nerd? No, you're not in. You didn't do anything. I mean, I'm, I'm in the Hall no, of Fame. No, he's not. You're not in the I'm Hall of Fame. I'm in the Baseball Hall of Fame. No, Me and Babe Ruth no, and Lou no, Gehrig. Uh, we'll be back, and we'll, uh, we'll bring him down to earth. All right. I'm, I'm yeah. in there, though. You can find my book there. I'm really? in the Hall of Fame. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Not really the end of the world. It's the start of the motorcycling season. DennisKirk.com with more than 160,000 products in stock for you and your bike. They have it. They're the best. Free shipping on orders over 89 bucks. DennisKirk.com is the best place to get your stuff. This Dylan again? Yes, sir. I think John was really hurt. The day Kenny said, how does it feel to have your kid be a better guitar player than you are? <laughs> he smiled, but you saw the... It was dis- hurting. It, yeah, it you hurting. saw the disappointment. You know what, eyes. though? I, Johnny wouldn't feel that way about his own kid, do you Well, think? plus, I'm not sure it's even true. Johnny's pretty they're good. Both pretty they're good. both, they're play, both Johnny extraordinary. Johnny likes that jazzy stuff, too. So he's got different genres that he likes to That's play. That's right. Who was it that said, why don't you play like Eddie Van Halen? Was it Ethan? Yeah. That said that, and John goes, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Uh, researchers at the, uh, I guess I got to pay a quick visit to the failed academy. Oh, huh? We were almost there, huh? Oh. Yeah, it's kind of a fun one. Oh, almost okay. done okay. with Fun Friday. <laughs> <laughs> researchers uh, at the University of Sydney in Australia. Uh, thank, thank you for pointing that out. I uh, had a little trouble with where, I forgot where Sydney was, but go Sydney, ahead. Vermont. All right, I'll put another shrimp on my bobby for they're you. Planning to, they're planning a movement to give animals and plants the same rights as humans. Oh, yeah. what? See, plants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's called multi-species uh, justice. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. What is that? A fern appear in court to say, you know, I felt uh, slighted. Hey, she didn't water me. Right. What pronoun are you using? I don't know. The concept is part of the university's idea for a research program called Future Fix. The program is geared to creating broad solutions for allegedly important issues that plague the globe. The researchers are set to address the ideas of how justice can be equally applied to both animals and plants. The site reveals that the symposium will provide a platform for informal reflection, discussion, and project planning. Researchers and academics from around the world are set to visit the campus to discuss solutions to the globe's big problems. I don't think giving plants rights is a uh, global problem. Participants are encouraged to think beyond liberal and individualist conceptions of justice. 
multi-species justice, according to the faculty website, states that legal rights also extends to plants and animals. Justice is typically thought to be the preserve of humans, and advocacy has sought to ensure all humans are subjects of justice. But harms inflicted on animals in the environment are coming to be understood as injustices. Dr. Bella Diabrera, director of the Institute of Public Affairs Western Civilization, called the idea utter madness. This is utter madness. Australian taxpayers need to be made aware of this researcher, Diabrera said. Diabrera uh, uh, said that same people who want to kill cows to stop climate change now want to give wombats the vote. The fact that they genuinely believe multi-species justice to be a global problem reveals the massive divide between the real world and the academy, she wow. said. Thank you, wow. uh, Diabrera. Who, huh? who is she? Oh, director of the Institute of Public Affairs, Western Civilization, Dr. Bella Diabrera said, that's a great quote. The fact that they genuinely believe multi-species justice to be a global problem reveals the massive divide between the real world and the academy. She, she'd probably agree with me that the academy is utterly and miserably and failed. Do you have her title in front of you again? Yeah. What's the title of her? Director of the Institute of Public Affairs, Western Civilization. Doesn't I have it? No idea what that is. Doesn't that, though, seem like she should be someone that should follow along with that garbage? You'd think so. But mm-hmm. she's pushing back. She's pushing back. Utter madness. Utter madness. Shows the, shows the gap between the real world. And the failed academy. <laughs> Say, one size rarely fits all. Uh, and they know that uh, right off the bat at Federated Insurance. That's why they custom the insurance program you need. Federated offers property and casualty, life, disability, income insurance to businesses and select industries. But the key is their marketing representatives get to know you, the business owner, and they get to know how your operation works, and that allows them to customize the coverage you need. Driving, for example, they'll talk to you about auto liability, worried about a cyber attack. You might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a federated insurance marketing representative to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Say, uh, one last uh, a note. Uh, uh, oh, I was going to talk about potholes. I don't want to. Never mind. Uh, I would, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a cliche. It's, it's, it's just a cliche to talk about potholes at this time. Have you I'm seen- going to go on the opposite way. I'm going to say the city of St. Paul on Edgecombe Road in Fairview, yeah. they've been filling them, so uh, it's working the way it's supposed to in that specific stretch of road because that's horrible there was a great photo did you see the one on twitter where it says minnesota's version of titanic no i missed so it it had leo dicaprio and he's in the ocean yeah except it was a pothole on you know summit (laughs) avenue (laughs) (laughs) well walls is pushing for that a 70 percent increase in the state gas tax i'm tired of that spiel i find him to be a terribly unimaginative guy but uh, uh, politicians of all stripes have always done this. They've always said, well, we're not keeping up. We're not keeping up with the infrastructure. To which I've always asked myself, what the hell are you spending the money on? Right, where's that tax? Where in the hell going? is the money going? Mm-hmm. You got a rainy day fund. You had $500 million, uh, more than you expected, but you're going to raise the gas tax. Min Lars, you wasted $100 million Yeah, on they that? got another $13 million for that yesterday. Oh, right. that's good. What do we decide in the surplus? You're incompetent, you people. You're incompetent. What, what are we doing with the surplus? Did we decide? It was it 
first was predicted to be a billion, and they had to cut that by half. So okay, we got a little optimistic. So, but uh, so are you, we getting you, a could, check? you know, well, the Republicans are going to hold fast and try to prevent a gas tax increase. That's just purely regressive. That hurts the the people that Walls pretends to champion. Right. Some people budget right down to the nickel. And now you want to throw another 20 cents on the gas tax? They, they lose their fiduciary cap, don't they, as they soon do. as they walk they inside? Do. They do. Mm-hmm. Thanks, GLers. Have a great f- basketball weekend, huh? Go Gophers. Beat Michigan State. Well. Beat Michigan State. And then I have them losing after I that. guess anything could happen. Yeah, they're a hot team right now. Any college you want to know the history of, just let me know. I'll look it up. I will do that. Do you? Uh, are you going to have your uh, ice out day sheet laminated now? Yeah, I'm going to have it framed. You're going to run downtown? I got it. Frame it. I got uh, it. Hanks. Don't worry. I got it. All right. Sounds good. Hey, if you're looking for some great new stuff, we got it all for you at garagelogic.com. Check it out. The features drop down. You can see what's on Joe's bookshelf and Greg Holcomb's latest creation is spot on once again. A lot of backlog podcasts as well. Check them all out, garagelogic.com. And we'll catch you on the next podcast, which is going to be number one, two, three next time. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes.